0: Welcome to episode 1254 of the sleeper and the bust it is thursday february 8th i'm your host paul sport joined this afternoon by justin mason justin it's been a while how are you doing
1: i'm doing all right so uh i appreciate those yeah i appreciate everyone uh who has reached out to me um either via twitter uh or uh um email and stuff like that asking hey
0: where'd you guys go what happened yeah we took a couple Um, days off
1: yeah, because usually we, you know, I was supposed to record on Sunday with Jason. And then I was supposed to uh record with you on Monday. And uh all of a sudden, Saturday night, uh, my eldest started feeling shitty after having had uh, hosted a sleepover on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then Danielle all of a sudden started feeling shitty. And then I tested all of them and they were positive for COVID. Uh-huh. So... I locked them in a room where they have not been allowed to leave the last few days, uh, but it left me with my five-year-old, who both her, uh, her and I did not test positive, Thank uh, kind of like, you know, like in a spot where it's like, oh, I can't really step outside for like 90 minutes to record a podcast um, because I wasn't allowed to
0: send her to school. Uh, yeah, and so, a five-year-old just hanging out like... Yeah, she's just chilling on her
1: iPad, like, you know. But, you know, the moment I start recording something, she's going to be like, I want Cheetos. Of course. Um, so uh, I appreciate everybody understanding. Um, but uh five-year-old back to school, uh, the 13-year-old is going to uh, go back to school tomorrow, and then my okay. wife can come out of the room on Saturday just to type for the Super Bowl. So uh, everybody's doing all so, right. Time for her but, Niners. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah I, it's, it's, I've been
1: avoiding, avoiding COVID like Neo from the Matrix. Like,
0: that's exactly what I was going to compare it to. <laughs> so thankfully, you stayed healthy. That's good. Um, yeah, we missed a couple of days, but we'll have today and tomorrow. and we'll be back on track next week. We're still doing our, our previews here. Got a little bit of news and notes, and we do have just about an hour. So let's go ahead and dive right in and talk a few of these news and notes before we get into a few more shortstop tiers. And then tomorrow, we will finish the shortstops and be on to outfield. Um, and we'll do 50 episodes on pitchers, I'm sure, and yeah. and wrap everything up. But let's start with Milwaukee making another move, this time in addition. So they've added some big power, you know, first Reese Hoskins and now Gary Sanchez. Obviously, he's going to be in that backup role behind William Contreras, probably going to get some DH looks as well, I would think, if his bat is hitting power the way he did last year with San Diego. This is a solid little move. Um, I think it's totally fine you know, a fine spot for him. Good park. He had 19 homers in 75 games, a rate that we probably can't expect for him to maintain. But what do you think of Gary Sanchez? Is he he still on your radar in, you know, standard two catcher? Does it have to be kind of a DC where we're drafting three or four catchers? What do you think about Gary Sanchez after the big power surge last year?
1: I think he's a pretty uh, nice kind of backup option as a C2 and a 15 teamer. Right. So like uh, if, if I miss out on a lot of the guys that I really like as a C two, then Gary Sanchez is someone I'm going to take a shot at. Uh, like I said, they can DH him, um, but he showed last year hitting you know 19 home runs and 267 plate appearances that he can make a big impact with a bat without getting a crap ton of plate appearances. Yep. So uh, you know, and catcher is a position where guys get banged up really, really easily, and who knows, maybe he you know, finds more playing time because we'll, uh, William Contreras gets banged up or something. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a really, really good C2 kind of backup option.
0: And it wasn't even like Sanchez had to get some exorbitant 42% homer to fly ball rate or anything. Yeah. It was at 23%, which is definitely strong, but he's a career 22%. And so it comes with a 217 average, but then the small sample mitigates that because it's only 267 plate appearance, 240 at-bats to be exact of the low batting average i'll take the 19 bombs there i agree with you i think he's a viable backup uh, with your two catcher leagues and then definitely somebody who's already been on my radar in DC. i actually speculated on him in one and so i had no problem with that at all um, all right moving on here carlos santana heading to minnesota this is an interesting signing here santana you know is just a a workhorse hitter we often talk about workhorses in the form of pitching But, you know, there's players, I think, position players who are workhorses. Obviously, you know, the iron horse is is Lou Gehrig. And then the iron man was Cal Ripken. They play a ton. He's not quite on that level. No one's playing 162 all the time anymore. But he just churns out 600-plus plate appearance seasons like it's his job. As a league average quality bat, always getting on base. 23 homers, 86 ribbies, and six steals last year. Six for six for Carlos Santana. Uh, Between Pittsburgh and Milwaukee, goes to this Minnesota ball club. I think the bigger issue, and we'll get into it after you give me your thoughts on Santana, are some of the repercussions for other players. But what did you think of Santana signing on with the Twins?
1: It's kind of a nice little fit for them. Like they had a little bit of space once they moved uh, Jorge Polanco over to Seattle. So uh, it makes some sense. Uh, You know, will he be a full time bat? Uh, he just keeps doing it. So, like, I can't get exactly. really it, but like, he shouldn't be at this point in his career. Like, uh, I mean, he should probably be in some sort of platoon or timeshare, uh, you know, and kind of specializing against hitting lefties uh, more than he does against righties. But like, I think he's probably going to find his way to 500 plus plate appearances and yeah. 20 home runs. And uh, he is a perfect DC kind of gamble.
0: Totally agree. When everyone's taking, this is exactly the kind of guy we're talking about that when everyone's taking these prospects and speculating on these dudes that, you know, might not even be up until the summer, you take yourself a Carlos Santana, you get your 500 plate appearances, could get another six, but take your 500. That's almost guaranteed even at age 38 and you just lock in upper teens, low 20s homers. The average won't be great, but who cares? Give me some ribbies, some runs. Totally agree with you there. That's exactly the kind of fit where I really like a Carlos Santana. Now I mentioned there are some repercussions for others, unfortunately. And we look at somebody like, uh, Edward Julian's not gonna be in trouble by this, but he is playing second base. And so Willie Castro is gonna go back and probably to that super utility role. And it maybe complicates things for those that might be waiting on like uh, Jose Miranda to return to the majors or somebody like a Brooks Lee to debut in the majors. So what did you think from that aspect of the Santana signing, the potential repercussions that others uh, might feel from it?
1: Yeah. Um, it is an interesting kind of fit because you do have like a lot of guys there who need the DH spot <laughs> and, and not to say yeah. that St. Dan is going to DH every day or anything like that, but he's going to DH some and he's going to play first, which is where Alex Kirloff was kind of projected to go. So like right now, Rasta Resource has Byron Buxton playing center. We know Brian Buxton is not going to play center. Like he's going <sighs> to DH the majority of the time. Um And so like, I wonder if this gives a little discount on Willie Castro. because so that's the discount I'm going to take. Because I think Willie Castro is a full-time player this year. Uh And... He, he showed last year, like, he can be a difference maker in the speed
0: department. 33 so. SBs. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that this could lower his price for Willie Castro in a way that really makes him affordable. I don't think he's particularly expensive at this juncture already. Now, if this, you know, pushes him down another couple of rounds because people are really concerned, great. Let me jump in. Uh, I think he's multi-eligible too, right? Uh, Got to have at least two positions. I'm trying to pull it up Yeah, he's quick, third man. in outfield. Yeah, so infield, outfield, which we love. You get Mm the third corner outfield. That's three spots. He could add in season two, depending on what your um, limitations are. Totally agree with you. It's a good spot to pick up uh, Willie Castro, and he is going... Pick three oh seven right now, and I, I could definitely see that dipping into the mid three hundreds if people get worried. But even at three oh seven, I'm fi- I'm totally fine with that pick too. So I got no issues there. I'm with you. Let's go ahead and get ourselves some Willie Castro on the cheap.
1: On the negative side, like I think this buries Jose Miranda.
0: Like, yeah, he was already he had, on the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, like I didn't think he was gonna make the major league roster, but now he's got another piece that soaks up a lot of plate appearances right in front of him. Yep. Um, and so, like, it's really interesting, like, when we have these prospects that, like, Jose Miranda was widely thought of as, like, a really, really good player. Um What a difference a year like, makes, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, I mean, it's not as quick as a Matt Mervis fall off, but, um, like, you know, sometimes this is why prospects, you know, are guys you shouldn't really want to invest too highly in, especially if they don't have, like, super loud tools or something, because. You know, they can go from being the flavor of the month, like Jose Miranda and Matt Mervis were, to like completely forgotten about.
0: Yep. And, you know, Injury played a role in that with Miranda, but now his his trek back, and he's going to be 26, right? Like there, you start to look at it, and it's like, dang, that that is a big fall off. Now, the one thing I would say with Miranda, if you do still like him and you are playing some DCs, he is dirt cheap so if you want to put him on there and still spec on miranda because you still believe pick 671 not going to kill you i made a devilish pick of him in one of my dcs at pick 666 but i'm not stocking up on him or anything i don't want to forget him completely but it is now a tough road to hoe to get back the one thing and you mentioned this earlier they do have some guys with with some major injury risk yeah mr mr paper wrists alex kirloff Byron Buxton. I love Royce Lewis. Paper body. Paper body. Byron Buxton. Paper knees. Royce Lewis. Like, and I love all three of those guys, but you gotta be honest. And Correa, you know, he could create some avenues then, not directly for Miranda. He's not going to play short, but then people move around and it could open some doors that way. But you don't want to bank on that too much. I wouldn't overstock myself on
1: Miranda. I wonder if we're going to see a lot more of what the, what the twins did with, with Buxton last year in terms of really managing him with yeah. other guys, like I, and I don't know that I've heard anybody talk about this, but like Royce Lewis, like he has a massive injury factor. I mean, just massive people. Both knees. Yeah. But like, why wouldn't they try to manage him and just try to keep him on the field by not mm-hmm. letting him play every day? Like I don't think that is baked into the potential of that is baked into the price of all on Royce Lewis.
0: They have a sharp bench too. Farmer, Cow Farmer, Nick Gordon, and Willie Castro's a nice little trio of guys that can all play different spots, all play infield, outfield. Hell, farmer can catch on a random off day if you really needed him to. I mean, they've got Vasquez and Jeffers. They're not gonna really ask Farmer yeah. to do that. But if they had to throw the gear on him, you know, they could. But um, yeah, flexibility, I totally agree. And, you know. If we don't see a team or two rise in the Central, as some people are predicting, I know you're on on the Royals. We have talked about that. I love what my Tigers did to finish the year last year. And as much as they are annoying and I don't think they do enough with their talent, I'm not going to rule out Cleveland because they try pitching out left and right. You can make a case for them. You can make a case for every team in that division except the White Sox. But if those things don't come to fruition and they are kind of coasting, then they should go kind of the workload management and focus on – being fully healthy for October. So I agree with you there.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, let's talk um, uh, Clayton Kershaw re-signing with the Dodgers. It's kind of, I put duh on the list here because like, (laughs) of course, we knew. So what do you think on this one? Um, We all pretty much expected it, but he's out for quite some time, I think, until mid, is it mid-season? Or is it? I think uh,
1: June, June I think is what I saw. Okay. I'm not not 100% on that.
0: So what do you think on this? Um, My guess is you're not, Drafting him anywhere, but I, I gotta ask: is is it you know unlimited ILs that would help? Where do you think it's sh- shoulder surgery? It's going to be you know at least the summer, at least mid June, I would think. Clayton Kershaw, somebody that you want to stash, or just not a headache that you're worth? That's worth it to you.
1: Yeah, so I am in one league where at least one league. I, I just joined a new league. I uh, don't know much of the rules yet for So, like, you know, <laughs> first thing <laughs> we always
0: say, read your rules. Yeah. Does
1: labor have an unlimited IL, too? Or is it I believe no? so. So I'm maybe in two leagues that have unlimited IL spots in that format. I would do it right. Okay. Because he is going to be dirt cheap at the auction table or at the yep. draft table. Um, you can stash him. And when Kershaw has been on the mound. He has been an elite pitcher. Like I just like I know he hasn't been on the mound quite as much, you know, as maybe earlier on his career, but he's still like an elite pitcher when he is. Yep. So like, yeah, I think in um if I can if I can get him for a buck or two at the end of an auction or uh kind of late in my draft, and I know I can be able to stash him on my IL and uh and not worry about it, yes. If I'm in a traditional format, league where I've got three or five IL spots. I'm not doing it
0: there's, I'm with that.
1: There's a reasonable chance. He's not back till August, right? Like exactly. one setback and all of a sudden he's not back till August. And like, that is too hard in this day and age with the amount of injuries we get, especially from pitchers. To invest in a guy like
0: that. Yep, and they're not going to push him because you know, we know the Dodgers are playing for October all the way. Yeah. if they can get 30, 40 innings out of him before the playoffs start, that's all they really care about. So if anything happens, clearly like they, they have looked
1: at his October
0: numbers. <laughs> clearly, but they do still want him there despite the issues and the uh, the very unfortunate meltdown against Arizona that brought all that back up. He was kind of he was kind of evolving from the yeah. the the Kershaw playoff you know uh, meme that we know, but then that meltdown was probably the worst of the bunch. A third of an inning and and like six earned runs so yeah i'm totally with you unlimited il's sure i can take a look at it anything beyond that not even on my board
1: he Uh, only has he only has one season in baseball if you don't count his his rookie season right he only Mm -hmm. has one season with an era over 303 his entire career like I was just looking like,
0: 16 years. That's I insane. went to go change
1: the page and just look real quick at his ERA. And I went, how is that even possible Is he just career 248 ERA? Like he is uh as much as I give him shit um for the playoff stuff, as mm-hmm. much as I hate the Dodgers, he's the greatest pitcher I've ever seen. Like he's like and it's not even close. Like it's like, close though.
0: Pe- Pedro, come on. It's close. He's, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: okay, yeah. He's the best pitcher that- of
0: his generation. But there are contenders. Paid, Paid, well, Pedro was towards the end of it. Pedro's universe, the de- I mean, the yeah. generation before him, but you did see him. Yeah. And You said yeah, you didn't yeah. say of the generation. You said who you've seen. Uh, but anyway, yes. that's splitting hairs. He's a god, and you're yeah. not. You can't go much deeper than that. You can maybe say Pedro, and you know I love Verlander. I don't put Verlander over Kershaw. No, I can't. I mean, I can't. This it's, is, it's Kershaw. It's
1: un, unreal numbers.
0: Yeah, he's his, an absolute his, god. Even
1: his worst XERA is uh, three sixty four.
0: That like, is so filthy. Like, it, it, it's just unbelievable. So, yeah. I hope he comes back and pitches well in the summer, but unless it's unlimited <laughs> ILs, don't mess with it, y'all. Unless you're in the league with us, go ahead and do it. W- waste your spots. We don't care. <laughs> Let's talk about the White Sox. We mentioned how they probably the only team you can't make a credible case with. Uh, to win that division. I just, I just don't see it. You would need so many if, 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 if. And again, I don't even think you could realistically come up with a scenario, but they did get an intriguing player by bringing in Dominic Fletcher, um, from Seattle here. What do you think about this move? I I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, he started with Arizona last year, got moved over to, uh, Seattle in the middle of the season. Now a trade here for Christian Mena, uh, Oh, wait, was he? Oh, he was still with Arizona. I'm thinking of Dominic Canzone. Excuse me. Excuse me. Canzone's the one in Seattle. So pardon me, Dominic Fletcher going from Arizona to the White Sox. He's going to have a starting role or at least a great chance at one. I shouldn't say it's guaranteed, but he has a great shot to be starting from day one. Are you intrigued by Dominic Fletcher as an everyday player with the White Sox?
1: Yeah, I mean the question is like does is he a strong side platoon guy or is he actually like a everyday full-time player? Yeah. Um you know, like there's nothing super special about Dominic Fletcher. Um, but he's a like, guy who can kind of just do a little bit of everything.
0: So And that's why you would want all of the PT. Let him be a compiler yeah. type.
1: Yeah, like he, he is he profiles as an accumulator.
0: Um mm-hmm. uh
1: and and probably a diet accumulator at that like he's Agreed. not like i mean like his best like tool is like league average power like that like <laughs> there's not much in there but those of us play 15 team leagues it's a good park he could play every day because the white socks aren't very good um mm-hmm. and like that has value like why couldn't he go 15 15 like i just sell so, only not right? gonna be expensive oh, yeah, for, yeah for sure like i I would totally take that gamble in nail only or in even a, I think that, yeah. I mean, if, if I really thought like, you know, I was talking about this on, I was on Bubba's podcast yesterday and, mm-hmm. um, uh, I can't remember who we were talking about, but I said like, Oh, we we're talking about Jordan Hicks Cause I, I say like, we overreact to spring training a lot. Like people True. go out and hit four or five spring bombs in the first like week or two and you know, all of a sudden someone's throwing a new pitch and like, we totally overreact, but a guy like Jordan Hicks, like, like if he's actually throwing five innings at the end of spring training, that's something I will react to because I, you know, and I think Dominic Fletcher is another guy where like, I'll be looking at Mike Curlin's lineup trackers, yeah. he's hitting against, you know, both sides, like that's important to me because if he's hitting regularly against lefties, um, especially in a decent spot in the order, like, that like makes him a lot more enticing than a strong side platoon guy who doesn't have much power speed.
0: Absolutely agree. And then he becomes viable in 15 teamers. So yep. keep some tabs on Dom Fletcher does have some upside, not going to win your league necessarily, yep. but not a bad player who did a little something there in 102 plate appearances with Arizona last year. Um, and then Gregory Santos. Yeah, I thought these trades were linked. That's because I was mixing Canzone mm-hmm. and Fletcher up because I was like, why didn't they just trade them for each other? No, because it's not on the, that same team. So uh, the White Sox then turned around and traded Gregory Santos to Seattle in a separate deal and you know the reason that this is interesting is because he was penciled in you know the speculation was that he could be their closer he had a pretty intriguing season last year he's not going to go out and close with the mariners so i'm less concerned about santos himself unless you got some takes that you really want to get out there more concerned with what the vacuum that he leaves in that closers role for the white Sox, who do you think could get that there they got a bunch of guys that we could play congressman or reliever and i would stump you left and right but who the heck is going to close out there for chicago for their 32 wins
1: there's only one guy that would really stump me
0: um shane uh, drohan
1: yeah who the hell is that <laughs>
0: like, no idea dude no idea what district does he I bet he better be getting that clean water act through that he was working on
1: so, uh, you know what the Chicago White Sox, uh, White Sox bullpen is right now? What? This is the graveyard of pitching prospects past. Jesus, it really like is. G- Garrett Crochet, Tuki Toussaint, Debbie Garcia, Garcia, yep, like John Brevia, like Freelander uh, Baroa, like this is like a bunch of guys who at one point people were really, really excited about as minor league pitching prospects. Absolutely. Um, that none of them turned into starters. Uh, and, uh, uh, and here we go. Um, right now we've that- got John Brebia as the closer. Yeah. Uh, I think Lambert might get a shot. Like I, I honestly don't even know. Like I really, really don't even know. Like. Who the me neither this year like this is um if you it's definitely not going to be Tuki Toussaint. it's definitely not going to be debbie garcia it's probably not going to be tim, it, hill,
0: tim hill could it be um, one of the guys they got back time. um prelander prelander barola
1: that's kind of the guy i am thinking about the only problem is if they're trying to cut costs do they want to give a guy who's an barb guy yep um they might want to just say, like, Brebby, you're the guy because you're 33, thirty-three years old. Yeah. And like we don't care if your price gets raised because you won't be here next year anyways. Mm. You know? Um, so like Brebia might be the dude, or Jimmy Lambert might be the dude. Um, or it might just be a mess. You might not see a single guy get to twelve saves, um, exactly. but a bunch of guys get to eight. Um, so if,
0: if you could pick, if you could dream on it. And you like not worry about any of the arm stuff. Who would it be for you? Because I think I have a pick. I think it's Baroa. If I could, if Um, if it's not him, no, Crochet because he showed some tantalizing. Yeah, uh, I I think they want to try to
1: make him back a starter. Exactly.
0: That's why I don't think that'll happen. Um, but I don't know. Definitely, I mean, from
1: if you if if they were going to say like, hey, we're going to commit to you in the bullpen, that would make a lot of sense because yeah, uh, he does still have a very very live arm when he's healthy. Uh and he's, you know, he's shown the ability to pitch well at the major league level in short stints. So uh, but I think they do want to make him a starter, so uh, or at least try.
0: And I, I think that's worth doing, by the way. He's gonna be twenty-five yeah. next year. He's a very live left-handed arm. You gotta take that shot with Garrett Crochet, see if you can turn him into a four or five inning type, uh, if not more. And then if it doesn't work, maybe he starts closing either at the end of the year or next year if that's if he just can't yeah. get the volume going or if his control is just too wild all right um that's it for the news let's move on to some short stops here we're going to do a couple of our of our tiers and then like i said we'll finish it up tomorrow now th- this tier is previously discussed swiss army knives so they've been t- discussed either at second or third just mm-hmm. curious if you have anything else on Hasung kim who's going 89 and this is in Thirty-eight drafts from uh, January first through. This would have been a, about a week or so ago that I pulled this data, so that you know it's a little outdated here. But I, I I didn't refresh it since I made these all at the same time. He's not going much differently, I can tell you that. So Hassan Kim at eighty-nine, Edmund at one sixty-seven, or Ren Hifo at two forty-seven. Any of them got you going anywhere?
1: I mean, I I feel the same I did when we discussed them previously. Uh, I I think yeah, we all I have figured. a place. Um, and neither St. Louis nor um, uh, uh, Los Angeles did anything to hamper Edmonds or Renhefo's playing time, which Correct. was a concern of mine, that either Edmund would get traded somewhere um, that maybe wasn't as appealing as St. Louis, or Rehifo, or the Angels would bring in someone to block off they have Neither team has done nothing. Now, that's partially because no team in Major League Baseball has done anything. <laughs> Yeah, you heard
0: the news we just went through.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, we haven't talked in a week. Yeah.
0: And those are the, the hot yes. takes that we have. Yeah, Excuse exactly.
1: Me. So um, things could still change with those guys. But right now, no, they're, I, I like all of them at cost
0: and yep. for what they do. I, I, I figured that, and that's where I'm at, too. Uh, let's talk about the middle class, then. This is a really intriguing group uh, highlighted by Xander Bogart's Pick 114. Dansby Swanson at 128, Tyro Estrada at 135, Trevor Story at 174, and Willie Adamas at 189. Five veteran types, all who have put on put some numbers on the board. Some who have been star, superstar level. You know, Xander Bogarts used to go with a double-digit pick. Now he's down to 114. We've seen these guys do some things. We don't know if Adamas is going to even be a brewer to start the year. Maybe they keep making moves. We'll see. But what do we think about this group? Let's let's take them in order because I think all five are, merit some discussion. So let's start with Bogey. Everything went south last year for San Diego. It wasn't his fault. Again, we don't love that contract. Doesn't make a ton of sense. But he wasn't the reason that that things didn't go well. So what do you think of Bogey in year two with them?
1: Uh, I was really down on Bogarts last year, and uh, and I was wrong. I mean, uh, like I didn't see the stolen bases coming back in the way that they did problem is they've got a brand new manager this year and so we don't know (laughs) like we have no idea if that's going to continue or not yeah um he's just not a guy that i tend to go with as high as he is i just i don't see a huge difference between xander bogart's um and you know other guys that are going around him or behind him and so i tend to not take that gamble but i don't have a problem with him like I think he's probably going to have low or sorry, high teens home runs uh, and maybe like low double digit slow bases and score a fair amount of runs. The lineup around him is not going to be as good.
0: Uh, it's good at the top, but it drops that bottom well, third right now. You don't know when Machado is
1: going to be back. Soto's True. gone. Like this is not going to look
0: as good, but it's still not a bad
1: lineup necessarily. Like it's yeah. not a barren lineup. So. Um, and we both I think, think gonna Kampasano
0: is going to jump up this year, too. Yeah, we love Kampasano. So, so, yeah, no, and I'm with you on, like, the steals. Like, at least he was super efficient. So even if a new guy comes in, I, I, who is their manager? I can, I'm totally blanking.
1: Oh, it's, I can't even remember.
0: <laughs> God, we're terrible. But, yeah, I cannot remember who it is for the life of me right now. But um, even if he does come put the brakes on some things, he went, night. Bogarts went 19 for 21. So, I don't think that, you know, if he does say, hey, we're not going to run as much, I still think they should let Bogarts run. That's why you said low double digits as a decent projection. I think that's totally fair. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on him. Hmm. What about oh, our next?
1: Mike Schilt. Oh, uh, oh Schilt.
0: Uh, yeah, that's right. Schilt, 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 yeah. the former cards guy yeah um and i guess we could look up his his running but either way i, I don't think it greatly changes even if you think bogarts is going to repeat the 19 sure um i would put him down for like 12 or 13 and, and just take the extra five or six seven or six yeah. six or seven i should say my uh, projection a, as, has 10. yeah i think that's fine the, the, most of the projections here the highest one is atc with 12 and uh all the others are like 9, 10, 11, right? And so they're all yeah. in a real tight group there. And that makes sense for Bogey. Uh, okay, so Mike Schilt. Sorry about that, Mike. We had forgotten about you. What about Dansby Swanson? He was first year in a new spot after his big deal as well. And I think his season was even quieter with the Cubs. You know, they had a decent year, kind of came up short at the end. Uh, the batting average came down a lot. I think that's probably why it was a quieter season. He lost 33 points down from 277 to 244, but still hit 22 homers with 80 ribbies, nine steals. I guess that's cutting in half. So that's another big deal. Um, and then 81 runs. So all in all, still pretty good, plays great defense. So it's a nice five-win campaign. Nothing to be upset about with Dansby Swanson. But where are we at on him as a hitter? Because he had an excellent year in the walk season. Came down predictably. Does he jump back up or does he live at this plateau, Dansby Swanson?
1: I think he comes back up a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, new environment, new team, you know, this is the whole Rick and Glen thing, right? Like they don't, yep. they don't like investing guys on first year big contract. Um, and I think that there are a lot of instances you could point to and say that, hey, guys struggle in their first year. Um, and it's like, a transition. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, the batting average should come back up. He got a little unlucky in the BABIP department. Um, it's not, I don't think he's gonna like be a 270 guy again, but 260 feels a lot more fair for uh, you know, 255, 260 like feels a lot more fair for a guy like Swanson. I think okay, you know, a few more home runs 24, 25 home runs, uh, you know, and you know, we maybe we get back to double just stolen bases like. I don't think that Dansby Swanson is a star, but I think he can be a dynamite accumulator on top of a really, really good lineup in Chicago.
0: Yep, that's exactly where I'm at. I don't think it's an unfair price for Dansby Swanson. If I land on him, it's okay. I don't seek him out, but I'm certainly not mad if I end up with Dansby Swanson. Tyro Estrada, I saw some interesting discussion about him. I want to say it was the Guilds who was using the um, steamer projection to kind of downplay... Taking Ha-Sung Kim versus Tyro Estrada. Now, my only qualm with that is I just really don't agree with the Ha-Sung Kim projection. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Basically, it had it has like everything coming down for Ha-Sung Kim and everything either holding or getting better for Tyro Estrada, and I just don't really see those two players going that way. You can say that Ha-Sung Kim, you don't want to pay pick ninety for him, and he's going to come down from what he did this past year, but I don't know. The the overall comparison isn't terribly unfair. I just don't take that one projection to be the end all be all. Like, why do all the projections have Hassan Kim hitting under 250? I don't really understand that. Yeah. I know he's a, a career an MLB 245 guy, but that's weighted down by a 202 his first year. And I just I'm not too worried about that. You talk about a transition with a new team within the MLB universe. What about coming clear across the world and trying to transition over here? Since 2022, in the last two seasons, he's a 256 hitter. That's more in line with what I see from him. So that was my main disagreement there was just, just that I don't agree with the steamer projection. But comparing the two is not terribly uh out of pocket to me. If you think Kim's going to steal another 38, well, then that's a big edge over Estrada. But if you think he's going to come down to the mid-upper 20s, well, then all of a sudden they do look a little close. Now, Estrada is somebody I have to take a fat L on. Remember last year, I was very much out on him you're saying like, I don't see this at all. And he, he basically carbon copied with 11 extra points of batting average. So I took a fat L on Tyro Estrada. And so now I see, I see the light. I think he is viable. I'm probably still not chasing him at pick one thirty five, but I, I recognize his talent. What do you think of Estrada? And how do you think of that comparison to Kim? Do you think he's worth waiting the extra 40 picks or do you still like Kim more with the positional eligibility and the upside?
1: Uh, I mean, I still like him. I think, um, at current cost. Uh, I can understand the argument. Um, I don't I think if you're just looking at straight projections for Tyro Estrada, there are some things that don't quite add up. Um has um, never had 550 plate appearances in a season.
0: 541 and 530 the last two years. So he's really made the most of his time. That is impressive. Yeah.
1: Which is great, but like why are we projecting him to get to 600 play appearances? He gets hurt. The Giants platoon a lot. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, he's not a good defender. Like, you know, um, those are all uh, good points. Yeah,
0: bad like, fight skills too.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like he makes a lot of contact in the zone, which is great. But it's not like particularly hard contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the batting average comes back down to earth a little bit, and I think he kind of does what he did this last season, which is like 20 stolen bases and double-digit home runs. Um, you know, but which is good. yeah, which is fine. But like that was more enticing when you went. I'm getting him to pick 180, and I see this upside, not at 130. Yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about a guy in the next tier where who's going like virtually the exact same spot where I'm going. I'm taking him all day over Tyroshada. Tyroshada will probably not end up on a lot of my teams.
0: Yep, that that's right, man. Like I said, not gonna go uh, anti. Uh, Estrada the way I was last year. i say fine take him. It, it's not a horrendous pick. Not my cup of tea but I do respect his kind of 12-20 type of talent but, uh, not, not the guy for me. Honestly, this next guy, I'd just rather take. I- I'm, I'm in on a Trevor story rebound at this price point. 174 seems fair enough for me to take a shot on a guy who has had a really strong career. He's always been a nice fantasy player. I think fully back this year, you know, got to kind of tune up last year. It was only 168 plate appearances, but he really tuned himself back up. Um, uh, probably got, you know, hopefully got comfortable. didn't do well. It was a 48 WRC plus, but just getting back on the field, you know how we feel about finishing on the field. I do like that. I think he's a nice buy here at 174 in his third year, hopefully his first full season with Boston, because now it's been 94 and 43 games. They need the 31 year old story to finally play a full season. I think he can, and I think he can get back to 2020. I tend to agree with the projections. Where do you stand on Trevor story?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with the projections for the most part. Uh, I do think that he could be a twenty twenty Um I do worry about the batting average. That's like, fair. One of one of the things like that is really really clear is if you look at his zone contact by season. All of a sudden, moving from Colorado to Boston, he is a different player. Now, part of that can mm. be <laughs> chalked up to. Injuries, right? Like, he's been injured yep. the last two years since coming to Boston. A part of that is pitches don't move the same in Colorado. They stick in the zone too long, and you can hammer the shit out of them. Yep. Um. Uh. And so he doesn't get that in Boston
0: anymore. Part aging, uh, part environment, right?
1: Yeah. And so, like, I do think, like, these last two years of 30% strikeout rates um, are part of the equation. It may, may not be quite that high this year, but like, I'm projecting him for like a 28 and a half percent
0: strikeout rate, which means the batting average is probably 240-ish. Um, yeah. So like, I think I agree with that. By the way, I want to be clear. Like, even though I am in, I like the 2020. I do agree that it's going to be hindered by batting average, and you want to draft some batting average supplement around Trevor Story.
1: That being said, getting a guy who can go 2020 at pick 170, like. I'm that's what now. I'm saying. That's
0: what I'm saying. So that's why I'm in. I'll take that and all day long. Even though Estrada might get him by 40, 50 points of batting average, it's a trade-off I'm willing to take because we can also get lucky on the batting average and balls in play and he hits 240. Mm-hmm. And then it's only a 20, 30 point difference. And then I'm I'm way cooler with that at the two round yeah. discount. And then what about our boy Adamas? Uh, you know, we have, Speculated that maybe Milwaukee trades him next. Uh, they made the big move with Burns, Devin Williams and Adamas. I think are the, are the two big pieces that they could still trade even as soon as, you know, before spring training here or in spring training. That's not an unheard of situation either. Uh, but for now, he's with Milwaukee. What do we think of Willie Adamas? Power guy usually has a tough batting average. It dropped, it dropped big time last year down to 217, but still 2480. Do we still like Willie Adamas at age 28?
1: So, if I seem kind of blase about the rest of this tier, it's because I am just waiting for William Thomas. Like, that's yep. that is my dude. He has been my dude for a really, really long time. uh And I feel like he is being criminally underrated for getting unlucky on the play last year. 259 and, Babbitt, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. Not like, happening again. I just don't see yeah. it. Like, he's like. I, I look over at like the the bad x projection um which i think is like spot on it's a 248 batting average 28 home runs, seven stolen bases. like you're getting that at exactly what i see 190 and um because I, I want that on every single team like he has yep. been my go-to shortstop especially when i miss out on like some of the elite guys like I often just wait and go like, okay, I'm just not going to take guys. I'm just going, I'll, I'll jump Willie Adams into like the 160 territory to make sure I get him, and I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, this is exactly why I'm not going Swanson Estrada very often, or even Bogey, who I do love yep. more than you. Uh, but this is why, because I'll take my shot. And again, we have to, especially with Bogey he's gonna have a way better average than story and Adamas. So that, yeah. it is a different story there and you are paying the premium for it. But if I've got batting average covered, and I don't really need it at the Bogarts price, I wait and story and Adamus come into focus for me. You, I mean, you're, I, you're
1: getting you're getting Adamus 75 picks later. Life. That's such
0: a great discount. And you know, not that we're projecting it, but there's a world where he can hit 260 again. 262 yeah, 262 in 2021, 259 mm-hmm. in 2020. Like what if the Babbitt actually goes in his favor for the first time in a while? Cause it was 278 uh two years ago, 259 last year. So yeah, there's absolutely a world where Adamus really pops off. But even if he's just kind of status quo at 189, doesn't hurt me at all. So I'm with you, I love him. If he gets traded, we can reassess, but I can't envision a scenario where he's gonna get traded to somewhere where I'm really gonna feel much worse about him. Cause he's probably gonna go to a contender and you know I, who has the worst park uh, of a contender like it might be worse than milwaukee but i don't know if he, there's no cavernous spot that he would go to right
1: no i mean as long as he doesn't end up back in tampa where i no was TV gonna say feet, like, like, I don't Since really you care. can't see like, there
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah as, lo, as long as he avoids that fate then i, I think i'm golden here with Adamus. so i coach I, mean, I don't want to you. see him in
1: san francisco but like even in san francisco i'd be okay I, with
0: it like, i said contenders justin they think they're contenders. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. I just want to <laughs> actually,
1: here. I don't know if they do or not, because they're not acting like one. So maybe they finally realize what they are, which is not very
0: good. Maybe they think they can, they can sneak in, which, you know, who knows, but, uh, it it's a lot harder now with Arizona contending in addition to, uh, the Dodgers being great. And of course the Padres still have a lot of talent, even though we know their lineup's going to be worse. All right. Uh, let, what, how's time check going here? We got some time for some upside. youngsters. 15 minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, let's get, let's get into these upsides. I I think some
1: of these we can go through pretty quick.
0: Yeah. So we got Anthony Volpe at 132. Then we jumped down big time to Ezekiel Tovar at 197. Jeremy Pena at 221. Jackson Holiday at 222. Put a green arrow next to that one. That's going to go up and up Mm -hmm. and up. There's been some discussion about him breaking camp is going to be higher Bong grissom at 238 and then zach Neto at 267 let's start with volpe since he is kind of on an island here at 132 i just thought this was a better tier to put him in than the middle class because he hasn't really proven anything yet whereas that middle class at least has a couple seasons under their belt um still had a pretty good fantasy season despite the horrendous batting average like the fantasy categories were there with the power and speed and credit to him excellent defense got himself a gold glove when that was the one thing that i was really really sour on with him and I, that's why i thought oswaldo peraza or oswald peraza had a chance to take that job from him. so I, I got that one wrong but he went 21 24 but with a 209 average he just did not earn that top 100 draft pick that he was going at by the end where are you at on year two for Volpe, though? Should he be going cheaper? Is this too high? Or do you think that he can, you know, now that his feet are settled, 259 bag, was pretty low. Can he have, like, a, a big breakthrough?
1: Um, I mean, I think the batting average may be a problem again this year, but I don't think it's going to be 209 batting. Uh, but the fact that he plays such good defense, he's got power and speed, like, he's going to play every day. Like, I think they, yeah. like they showed a lot of faith in Volpe that, like, they didn't send him down last year. I loved um, that. Yeah, like they gave, they don't play 159 games. <laughs> like that was, uh, that showed a lot of faith in in the young uh stud, uh, and I've got a lot of faith in him too. I think this is a fine price. I have drafted Volpe multiple times already. I think the upside is massive. Like I would not be surprised if we get a 30-30 season at some point. <laughs> like Same. And, um, yeah, I you know like not only did like they show a lot of faith in terms of just allowing him to stay in the majors. Like they hit him high up in the lineup uh, a number of times uh, after, you know, like, I mean, yes, he moved down the lineup as the season went on because he was struggling, but like even by the end of the season, he was hitting fifth, sixth, second. Like, uh, like they really, really like uh, uh, Anthony Volpe. I really like Anthony Volpe. So like, yeah, I got no problem where he's going. honestly, um, I don't have a problem jumping him around.
0: I I co-signed that too. I really, you know, I'm I'm a little annoyed that the market is is pretty pretty tight on him. I was kind of hoping that we would get a discount, but maybe it's that New York tax or people just seeing 2020 and saying, "Hey, I don't believe a 259 badger is going to." 2020 happen again. is a rookie. 2020 has a rookie who struggled, but he kept his yeah. head and the Yankees kept the cur- uh, encouragement with him. And I really, really appreciated that from the Yankee standpoint, too, that they didn't just send him down at the first chance because they could have been justified. Right. Like yeah. it's like, you know, NFL coaches that punt. Yeah, you were justified to punt because everyone punts. Um, It, it would have been one of those things. That, yeah, they could have sent him down. Nobody would have said anything. It takes a little something to say, Hey, we're going to stick with our guy. We believe in him. That gives me some encouragement for him. I like Volpe as well. Ezekiel Tovar was a popular pick last year. Hey, you got a guy who has the glove to play every single day and he plays in Colorado with some, with a little bit of punch and some speed. Sign me up is what everyone was saying. I was a little more tepid on him last year, but, uh, it ended up you know, not going so well, but he did play the full year. So again, you got to be encouraged by the fact that they stuck with him despite the struggles. Now he had a 70 WRC plus, and I've always made my, my point that I think WRC plus is a little too harsh on Colorado players because he had a 695 Babbitt, which I'm not, or I mean, 695 OPS, which I'm not saying is good, but I just, I don't know. I know Colorado boosts, but obviously leaving Colorado also hurts. And I don't think WRC plus accounts for that. So I don't think he's quite that bad. But his 15 homers, 11 steals in 153 games though. So the playing time is locked as long as he can keep picking it. Do we think there's more from Tovar here or are we worried that uh, he's a little bland? I mean, this is
1: fine. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy going uh, what around pick 200. Like mm-hmm. he's going to play every day. He's got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed uh, because he's in Colorado. He's, He's not his batting average isn't going to kill you because he gets all that babbit help. Um, yeah, that's fun. Like, he's an accumulator. Like, I think the problem is people go, Ooh, top tier prospect, and they go, He's gonna be a stud. No, sometimes guys are just fine, and exactly. that is like you know, a guy like Tovar is such a highly rated prospect in part because of his defense. because of his glove, <laughs> yeah, he Armstrong, yeah, exactly. So, like, um yeah, like I don't think this is a bad price necessarily. I'm going to probably not take Tovar and take Jackson Holiday or Vaughn Grisham or Zach Neto. But
0: yeah, I got I um, got other guys. But if Tovar your guy, I'm not going to say that you're you're yeah. out of pocket on that. He's the 14th. He was 14th ranked on the auction calculator last year at shortstop. Yeah, despite that's this, fine. like this that's fine. So yeah, I, I think it's a totally fine pick, especially if you see some upside with him. I don't necessarily see that. But hey, you can always get Babbitt Blucky anywhere, literally, but you can really get Babbitt Blucky in Colorado. So um I can totally see people watching. 15 home runs,
1: 13 stolen bases, two fifty something batting average. Like that's totally fine.
0: With a chance to go two seventy five if the Babbitt Bluck goes yep. in his favor. Yep. Jeremy Pena. Now he's a guy. All the excitement after the first year. Here we go. This guy's ready to break out. I didn't see many people pushing back on him. There were a few pockets, and credit to those folks. Justin pointing to himself, for those of you not watching on YouTube, saying, tap the brakes here. There are some concerns. And those concerns came into came to fruition in a big way. Ends up hitting 263, 324, 381. The slug dropped from 426 to 381. The homers went in half, actually more than in half, from 22 to 10, despite... Almost 100 more plate appearances, Justin. Uh 11 to 13 steals, but fewer ribbies, uh, more runs. But yeah, it was a tough sophomore campaign. Thankfully, like Tovar, he can pick it, so he got to play all the time. So at least you were getting some accumulation there. But it was a tough second season for Pena. Where do we go from here? Can he go back up toward 2022, or was that just going to be his best season and it's going to stay up there as his high watermark?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's some mix between these two. Like, I don't think that he's a 10 homer guy. He's probably like a 15, 10 kind of guy with a decent average that plays and accumulates, right, which yep. is fine as a middle infield option in your 15 team leagues. But like, I, I, I think we talked about this uh, on, a, on the last episode or maybe the episode before that, you know, like, just because a prospect has a good season doesn't mean that good season isn't going to be their best. And I think that exactly. Like I think people overrated. People were so enthused. Like he was a super deep sleeper uh, when he, you know, when he was a rookie. I remember like, like James Anderson like whispering to Rob Silver's like, get Jeremy Pena, and I was like, ooh, that's that's a good little, mm-hmm. uh, good well, little playoff hit. run and, and,
0: <clears throat> too. Yeah, don't forget he capped it off with a hot playoff run in twenty twenty two for Pena, and he was
1: right on that call. Like you know, mm-hmm. Jeremy Pena that first year was absolutely unreal for a guy that went undrafted in a lot of formats. Um, but just because a guy is good out the gate doesn't mean he's going to stay good. And um, I think he's kind of just a math player, a boring accumulator, which is fine because he will accumulate, but not a guy that I'm necessarily targeting.
0: Yeah, I think that that's all, all fair, you know, and um, he's a little bit cheaper than Tovar. So if you, if you don't want the Colorado guy and you want to maybe go for a guy with a little bit more punch, because I agree, I, th- I don't think Payne is a 10 homer guy. Maybe you go ping his way, but they're kind of similar to me in terms of com, uh, composite value. Jackson Holiday, it's 222 right now. If you like him, getting some drafts now and get him because the price is only. Going to go up. Michael Elias was interviewed. I think it was on SiriusXM, talking about how there's going to be avenues to get him on the team. He's going to have a chance to to break camp. They can see him playing second and and short throughout the year. Just a lot of positivity about Jackson Holiday. In fact, even just since I did the the data poll, whenever I did this, like a week ago, and um, it, it's now 59 drafts since the first, and it's 217. So to move 10 picks uh over the course of 20 more drafts is is pretty big like that that is a that's a pretty big jump up I, actually excuse me it's only five picks so it's not that sharp yet but it's going to be and this is one of those guys that like volpe uh if he shows out in spring or gets declared to be on the team then he's a top 100 type pick uh do you agree with that on jackson holiday
1: yep i mean like yeah. he's I, i'm i'm shocked that like i understand like white langford was just unreal good in the minor leagues uh, after getting drafted, but like, why did why have people been thinking that Wyatt Langford has a better chance of making the opening roster than Jackson Holiday?
0: I mean, I'm not sure, especially with the outfield situation. Exactly, like,
1: like there is no one blocking Holiday if if the Orioles do want to go that route. Specifically, there's a number of guys, yeah, there's a number of guys in Texas blocking <laughs> uh, blocking Langford, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know i think both guys are probably on the opening day roster and i think both guys are going in the top 100 once we get to our late march drafts
0: yep and uh i I did narrow it down to the last 10 drafts uh, of of draft champions for jackson holiday and it is up to 211 so that is an 11 pick jump uh in a short period like i said it's only going to go up and up and up so if you like him you better get in now or stay committed right that's the thing too like don't buy him and then the price goes up and you don't want to get him anymore. I understand it's better when he's cheaper, but if you really love him, stick with him even as the price rises. I think that's one of those things that can be tough. But if you really like a guy, get him all the way through. Vaughn Grissom, we talked about after the trade, so we don't have to deep dive here. But he's going to be a dude in Boston. Uh, should have you know, kind of the bead on the second base role. I don't see any reason that you know, you're trading him for Chris Sale and you're not going to play him. Vaughn Grissom, somebody who you're targeting?
1: Yeah, I mean... And his adp has gone up a lot i'm uh uh, doing my second round of adp market movers starting tonight um and i assume when i get to shortstop he's going to be one of the top guys in terms of movement because since that trade you know people have been really really excited i mean this is a guy that we said like he can hit he just can't play defense well clearly boston doesn't care so boston's gonna let him play um and and he's
0: moving uh, a second too so there's a little bit little little bit less uh, you know, um, uh, burden on you at second versus short. We knew yeah, we absolutely. couldn't play short in Atlanta, and that's why I was just so out on him last year.
1: Yeah, but we're talking about a guy who is like a twenty percent strikeout rate guy, um, and he's got pop and a little bit of speed. Like, I don't think he's a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but like, like if he gets six hundred play appearances, like he could be a twenty twenty guy, and you're getting that at this point in the draft is a pretty sweet bargain.
0: I forgot to ask this on Holiday and I want to ask it on Grissom too. Mm-hmm. What's your break point on price for Holiday first? Breaks. Uh, he's breaking camp. They're saying it. It's March 23rd. He's confirmed. What are you paying for Jackson Holiday?
1: Probably top 75. Okay. Um, I don't think he jumps up, at least for me, into the same areas that guy like Bobby Witt Jr. and, uh, and Julio Rodriguez. Do I think he will be like a future like first or second round pick i think he probably certainly
0: has a chance to be yeah
1: but like he doesn't have the flashy numbers that like j-rod and bobby were putting up in the minor leagues like uh in
0: fairness it's because he's been in the minor leagues for five seconds this is jackson holiday we're still talking about but 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 your point is taken yeah yeah uh what about what about grissom then um what what's the break point uh, on his price it won't rise nearly as much he's pretty much locked into the the team already but as things get going and people see him in spring i do think the price will trickle up Are maybe like
1: 175
0: you hit that exact number i was going to ask okay yeah i would pay that too 175 would be totally fine for me there uh zach netto our last guy here 267 one of those, you know, quick risers that the Angels have really been honing in on the last couple of years was doing well, but got hurt. I think multiple times that really kind of interrupted this first season. Ends up with eighty-four games, nine homers, five steals, two twenty-five, three hundred eight, three thirty-seven slash line is pretty rough. Uh, what do we think he can do if he can stay healthy and, and play every day? You, you like him to be somebody that you're that you're after?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Meadow, and I feel like. Uh, people are kind of discounting him a little bit because of the injury, right? He missed so much. He did miss a, a fair amount of time last year, but in a half season for nine home runs, five stolen bases, like why can't he be a 2010 guy yeah. with a good, like a decent batting average? You know, he, he showed good batting averages in his short trips through the liners. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I like Neto, especially if he seems like he's going to bat towards the top of that lineup. I don't know if you
0: could hear Kyle Gibson showing up in my house. I, I heard Kyle. He's finally he's finally moved out of here. He, he, he yeah. hasn't been able to find me since I moved, so now he's out there it's, hanging it's out with It's weird. Me.
1: You would think he'd be in St. Louis right now, but... Um
0: you or know, at, at least in Jupiter, Florida, getting ready for the season. Yeah. But here mm-hmm. here he is in the Bay Area doing yep. some fine Maybe he's wine tasting thing. this weekend or
1: something like that.
0: It makes sense. And he wants to earn a few bucks to pay for the wine. He wants to yep. get that expensive stuff. So, you know, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Zach Neto, I think it's a fair price if you like him, especially... Uh, he should play every day if his body, you know, does, doesn't give out. He's only going to be 23, and thankfully it's our last guy anyway, so we're good. But yeah, I, I think Neto's fair at his price. I got no issues uh, with him there. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up. You got to go pick up your, your child, and tomorrow we will finish shortstops. We got the last bit, uh, our last handful of tears, and we'll get into the real nitty gritty deep dive there and finish up shortstop. Justin, great talking with you. Glad the family's recovering, and uh, I'll talk with you in the morning.
1: Take it easy.